Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, Series 2 the show where we inspire business owners to become a force to be reckoned with. I'm Ashley Bloom and I'm your host. In business, it's more important than ever to learn from your mistakes. But how do you take those mistakes and turn a bad experience into a good one? I recognise that however much I tried to paper over the cracks, the foundations actually were shaky and, and the business wasn't scalable actually, because the foundations weren't there. And once I recognised that, there was only one way to go. You know, my kids were great about it. They understood, actually, that mummy worked, whether it was because it was from such a young age or whatever. And there were times that mummy was busy and they learned to play on their own or whatever with each other. And there were times when mummy put the answer phone on and legged it to the park and we had a good time. This week, I talked to business owner, author and speaker, Jan Cavell, who knows firsthand that scaling a business to morph into a bigger venture is one of the toughest steps to take in business. Like most entrepreneurs, Jan has known both failure and success, and this episode will help you to avoid the traps that she fell into on her own journey. I hope you enjoy the interview, and I'll be back at the end. Jen, welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet. I am so thrilled to have you on the show to discuss all things entrepreneurship and most importantly, to discuss how UK SMEs can scale to help the economy at a time where it's really more important than ever. So to kick things off, I'd really love to hear who you are, what do you do, why do you do it? Right, lots of big questions there. Ashley, firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. What do I do? I am a business writer. So I write specifically about entrepreneurs rather than business in general. Uh, I've, I have entrepreneurs in the blood, I think. And I, I just i am totally inspired by them and what they do. And I love helping other people to build businesses, which I do from a variety of viewpoints because I was in business for uh, several decades with a variety of businesses. And I also tried to scale one. Well, I scaled it to a certain size. But I also ran into all the difficulties that businesses come across when they uh, do scale, which are, which are massive. And so when I became a, a full-time writer, I wanted to particularly hone in on businesses that are in the scaling process and aim to help them uh, avoid lots of the pitfalls of which I am so familiar. You started your first venture from your kitchen table, right, as a single mum with two children 
and you built that into a multi-million turnover business. Can you talk me through your journey and some of those obstacles you mentioned that you faced during that time? It wasn't totally my first business, but it was my first serious business simply because it was serious, because I had the children. So I needed to really focus and try and make it a huge success to provide for them because otherwise I was a bit stuck. I had a massive motivation, which I think is is really necessary if you're going to keep going. You have to be driven by something. It can be your family. It can be to help the world, whatever. But you have to have a driver more than just making money yeah. if you're going to, good, going to make a success. But anyway, I, I, I had my kids, so that was easy, very focused. And I started it as a selling operation while I was looking after the children, working from home, added manufacturing as I went along, really, because I had a supply problem. It wasn't because I desperately desired to add manufacturing or I knew anything about it, which I certainly didn't. But the thing grew because I was successful on marketing and sales. I was, you know, that was my, my big strength. And so it kept, the demand kept on growing. And for a while, we grew very fast and very successfully. Went up to about 43 staff, I think, at most. Wow. A couple of factory units. And, you know, for, for a long while, it was great. But then we got to that point and it was... Just the whole thing changed. You know, you, you try at that point to morph a business into a very different animal than a startup. You know, at a startup, you're very full of energy, small team, everybody knows what's going on. Then all of a sudden, you get to the sort of point I was at, and you're trying to change it into an organization. And, you know, perhaps you might be trying to step back and work on the business, that old saying. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just completely different for all sorts of reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It's very, very hard to do. And I, I, I thought it was just me. And also because I'm a great believer in determination, I kept on going for ages and kept on learning more and more about the how-tos or theories as to how to, and I'd set off as to try and apply this, what I'd learned, or that, what I'd learned. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's, it wasn't just me. It's a, a stage that so many businesses find hard you know, to, to make that change and get stuck out. Definitely. Um but hence deciding to write the book because the more I talk to other entrepreneurs, the more I realise that this was a really big problem. Definitely. And you're so right. I mean I know that I used to work for a startup company and you are so involved in every single aspect of the business, aren't you? Everyone is all hands on deck. Absolutely. You're doing your job role and so much more than that, you know. So then when suddenly it does, as you say, turn into an actual organisation or the aim is to turn it into kind of a more structured organisation, things do change so much. And it's it's how the employees feel. It's managing absolutely every element, isn't it? So there is so much more to think about than just driving up more sales and sales means growth. You know, there's so much more to it. But um, on that, let's talk scaling, right? So you're the author of the book Scale for Success, and you launched that earlier in Feb. Congratulations, by the way, amazing job on the launch. What would your advice to other business owners be who are trying to take that leap, as you rightly said earlier, from startup to that next point 
in their business cycle. Right. Okay. I think the first mistake a lot of businesses, including me, made was that you assume that you, you just do more of the same as you get bigger. And because, of course, you're changing from a startup to an organization, you don't. And, and that applies to absolutely everything from the type of people, the people, style, the numbers of people, the amount you need to concentrate on your supply chain. You name it, it changes. And it, it isn't just the same as doubling turnover. It's a great deal more complex than that. Yeah. Lots of businesses, including me, just thought, oh, well, you know, got to one million, we'll make it two. Got to two, can make it four. And, you know, you just assume it's going to be the same. So I think that's the first thing. You know, you're talking about a really, really different ballgame. Yeah. And that means a lot of advanced planning to do it successfully because you've got to put the correct underpinning in it. I, you know, I tend to liken it to building a house in that you can't build on shaky foundations. Yeah. And business is the same. If you drift, you haven't put into, into, into scaling up, you haven't put in the foundations you need to build that scale on. And that's in the sense of systems or in the sense of the right people at the top and everything else and all the other things that can go wrong. So so start starting point is is definitely plan it and probably you need a couple of years to give raise finance and get the right people, even in the planning stage. What you mentioned about property is and that kind of similarity between having your foundations right when you're trying to build and then having the foundations right in business is so critical right because as you said if the systems the processes the financing and all of that isn't in order then it's so easy to think oh yeah it'll be easy we'll just double our profits double our profits but you know with the same resources how can you do that without pushing people to maximum capacity which also ultimately causes a worsening company culture, right? Because you're trying to stretch people without making them more efficient in other ways through, as you said, systems, processes, and all of that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Bringing it back to you, as all entrepreneurs can probably relate, you've known success, but you've, you admit yourself, you've also known failure and struggle. And what has been the toughest challenge or the lowest low that you've had, you've experienced in your businesses so far? And how did you overcome those challenges? Well, you'd think that the answer to that would be to finally say, which I did in the end, enough's enough, I can't do this. And it's got to a pitch where I have to do what I did, which was break it up. We sold the brand because that still trades, but we had to wrap up the manufacturing because nobody wanted to buy it. It was a big decision to make. But by that time, when you get to that point, if you've bashed your head against a brick wall for a very long time, it's actually a relief that the decision's made. And I'd spent probably six or seven years really desperate, hating getting out of bed in the morning, not knowing which way to turn, learning something new, getting excited, being more miserable, as you say, suffering from culture issues. When when I'd started for the first 10 years, you know, things have been one of the happiest times for me and the people working there and everything else. And the whole thing just morphed into this nightmare. And it was six or seven years of, of living hell, I'm sure for everybody, but for me as well. So, so I think that whole patch of, you know, when seemingly on the surface I had a successful company, yeah. um, but you know, just couldn't get past that 
that brick wall was was one of the worst times of my life so so probably then how did I get past it by making a decision that actually I hadn't going back to our foundations I I recognized that however much I tried to paper over the cracks the foundations actually were shaky and and the business wasn't scalable actually because the foundations weren't there and once I recognized that there was only one way to go 
because of what you learned from them and because of what you know now? If I was young, yeah, I would. You know, I, I regret, I mean, again, it goes back to what you do regret. Most of all, I regret I bashed my head against the brick wall for so long because yeah. had it, had I come to the accurate description that the foundations were too ro- rocky much earlier, that might have been time to learn from it and apply everything I'd learned because, yeah. you know, I had learned an amazing amount. But, but you know, I, I just kept going far too damn long, thinking it was the right thing, you know, you just do. Yeah, but I guess what's what's happened now is that whilst you weren't able to apply what you've learned to your own business, you are able to apply what you've learned to help thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs around the world to avoid making those same mistakes and those same errors. And that in itself is ultimately why anyone goes into business in the first place, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a wonderful privilege, you know. I, I couldn't be happier. And, and in fact, as you rightly said, I went into doing a business properly because I was a single mom. You know, yeah. if you take, go back to my childhood and what I always wanted to do is write. So I'm happy as Larry doing what I do. You know, I hope it's of good service and it's something I love doing. And I get to speak to the most amazing people on the planet. You know, what could be better? Exactly, exactly. And when it comes to your biggest successes, because obviously we've spoke about the struggles that you faced and how you kind of overcame them. What is some of your biggest successes? What are you most proud of throughout your journey? I'm proud of having managed to bring my kids up as a single mom. That always comes first as far as I'm concerned. That's what I set out to do. After that, I mean, there were bits, you know, it's, it's a bit obliterated by by the bad times, but, you know, there were early bits of the business where we won national awards and what have you, which you, you can't take too seriously because it depends on how you apply and all sorts of things, but as well as whether you deserve them. But, you know, it was a lot of fun and a huge honour. I got involved, as I expect you know, in a campaign, you know, to encourage other entrepreneurs early on. I yeah. mean, this has always been something I've been really keen on for the UK government in Europe and various campaigns for entrepreneurship that I've been involved in, you know, and and you have opportunities that are amazing. I loved to uh, debate and I had the opportunity with through business to debate at the Cambridge Union. I mean, wow, you know, you don't get that sort of thing every day of the week. Um, no, so, so all those sort of things, but, but actually, I, you know, I've to get a, a publishing contract with Bloomsbury for for a book that helps others take some beating. Yeah, I can, I, I can imagine <laughs> the feeling of having that book in your hand as well at your book launch and seeing people enjoying it and getting feedback is probably absolutely incredible especially knowing that it's everything that you've learned from your journey and your experiences yes, that's in absolutely. Book. And it goes without saying that your journey has been an absolute whirlwind, but what is it that you do that nobody else does? What's your business superpower? I think a lot of people, you know, from the feedback I've got on the book, there are a lot of very clever books out there with clever systems, which may in 20 years' time be proven to be the best ones or may not, because that's how business systems go, you know, and comparatively few that write from the, you know, this can be keep my language clean here but this can be quite tough we make lots of mistakes and not just me but the other entrepreneurs that I interviewed in the book who who contribute so much wisdom as well as their own stories and so much advice but 
they all talk with such an honesty about all the mistakes they made. And that's the realistic side of it. You know, people do mess up. And I think you're much more likely to be able to help other people if if you're honest and, you know, you say you messed up, you know, or you didn't always get it right. Who does? I think that's really interesting because, as you say, they say, obviously, don't make the same mistake twice because you should learn from it if you can. But ultimately, you should never be afraid of making mistakes because otherwise, how do you learn from things? Exactly. When it comes to, you know, say, for example, I've got a business and I'm looking to take it to the next level. So I'm looking to scale up. I've got, I don't know, a manufacturing business, just say, for example. And I say to you, what is the single first thing I need to do in order to get it? How do I, you know, I want to double my profits and get to the next stage. What is the first thing I need to do? What would you tell me? Read the book? I think very hard about being in manufacturing. It's one of the toughest gigs <laughs> ever. Uh, the first thing you need to do, I think, is, is, is work out why. A lot of people think big is beautiful and big isn't always beautiful. You know, people grow and actually their profits drop or they end up in all sorts of trouble because they can't pull it off. And, you know, they've actually ruined a perfectly good business or they just assume that it's going to be great and it's going to bring them lots of freedom and lots of money when in actual fact it becomes this massive headache and, you you know, no freedom whatsoever and twice the problems and everything else. So you want to have a very clear plan, but that plan needs to include exactly where you're going with it and why. And and that's primary. And I think would stop a lot of people drifting into it for starters to actually think why and you know, what are we doing it for? People say, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I, I think that I had problems as well personally was because it seemed a very sensible thing to do. I mean, I had a successful business and it was growing. So why not continue to grow it? I mean, you know, the logic is there, but it just isn't always like that. Definitely. And how important do you think it is for business owners to know their why and to think about their purpose and why they started their business in the first place. Because I know that a lot of business owners that I speak to kind of forget why they started in the first place and don't really know their purpose anymore. I think that's true. And I think there's a shift. I Noticeably, when I was researching the book, there are more businesses starting with a very definite purpose of wanting to improve the planet or the, you know, or, or the way people live their lives, which are fantastic driving forces. But then, in, in fairness, I have the driving reason, you know, as, as a lot of single parents do, male and female. I mean, there's a, a, a single male parent in the book who, who was determined to be a success because of his children. So, so it can work either way. But, you know, again, the children grow up. Then, you, you know, where's your reason? Businesses evolve and people evolve. And your reason, I think it's not so much forgetting the reason you started. It's over a long period of time. The reason may not apply anymore. You may not identify with it anymore. And that is a huge problem. Yes, I do think it's really necessary for people to to have a why that they genuinely relate to, not that society tells them that they should have. You mentioned your children and why you went into business. Did you find that it was tricky navigating running a business whilst being a single parent or did you find that the balance was okay 
on the family side and managing that balance and that work-life balance? How did you do that? I took, uh, it's one of the reasons I was in business for such a long time. I mean, I, I grew in tandem with what I could do with the children. And that was one thing I did do deliberately. You know, my kids were great about it. They understood, actually, that mummy worked, whether it was because it was from such a young age or whatever. And there were times that mummy was busy and they learned to play on their own or whatever with each other. And there were times when mummy put the answer phone on and legged it to the park and we had a good time, you know. And so it was all a question of balance. But obviously that restricted the business from growing for quite a while. And then it happened by the time I had an opportunity to add a considerably larger bit of manufacturing. They were in their teens. And so they were heavily involved in school. They were both very into theatre, which meant a lot of late nights. But uh, it did mean they were occupied a lot in the evenings. And so there was a lot of time which was easy enough to work in without it impacting on family life. Did it dominate family life? Yes, undoubtedly. But on the other hand, I think it brought them both up to be more entrepreneurial themselves. You know, they they lived and breathed business as they grew up, which I think particularly in the world today is no bad thing. You know, I think even for people in jobs, it's it's a good idea to get an idea of a side hustle or being entrepreneurial just to recession-proof yourself a bit. This podcast, as you know, is all about proving that financial metrics aren't the only measures of success. So outside of profit, outside of anything like that, what does success really mean to you? I think you do need to be happy in what you do. You know, you can sustain a period of time where you need to earn or, you know, you have to push a business forward and it's giving you grief or whatever. But you you know you have to love what you do and and you should spend time on a side hustle or whatever you know developing something you love life's too damn short thank you so much dan for joining us today on beyond the balance sheet there are so many more things that i could ask you but i think we will leave the listeners with your book title linked in the bio so that they can read more about your ideas and your methodology on scaling and learn from, as you said, you and all of your guests on the mistakes that you've made and hopefully that will help them to avoid the same. Thank you, Ashley. It's been great. What an incredible and honest representation of what it's really like when you try and scale a business without getting your foundations right first. Stay tuned for my discussion with business advisor, accountant and Profit First professional, Lee Manning, where we discuss the key learnings from this episode and provide you with the actions to implement in your business if you're aiming to scale straight away. If you liked this episode, go and have a listen to the rest of the series in series one. We are Raffingers and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at Raffingers. Alternatively, you can check out our website, www.raffingers.co.uk. I have been your host, Ashley Bloom, and this has been Beyond the Balance Sheet. Thanks for listening, and we'll have another episode for you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.